You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome into the Hoisty Colors podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Igo, the publisher of HoistyColors.net, the host of this podcast. And it's a bye week, but we also got ECU basketball. The season starts early next week. And so it's time to have our ECU basketball season preview podcast to help me do that. Joining me is Kaysen Ramaley from Hoist the Colors. Kaysen, how's it going, man? Doing good. How are you? Ready for basketball to get going back? It's the best time of year to me, so let's get it going. Yeah, you, you, you've always told me you're a big basketball guy, and now uh, I guess you have a chance to, to really prove it. <laughs> so we were doing the – we were kind of going over what the plan was for the show today, and, you know, Kaysen sent me this uh, document where he's got the full uh, projected starting five and key losses, key newcomers uh, for each team in the American. So – and you have a little blurb underneath all of this with – uh, which is pretty hilarious. So um, your best one is Fire Gregory, yeah, Ryan need, Gregory. Yeah, he needs to get he needs to get out of coaching. That's a that's a hot take, but come on, guy, let's get out of there. Yeah, South Florida have been struggling a while. So we'll look. We'll take a look around the conference. Of course, ECU picked to finish last, but let's start, Casein, with this ECU basketball team. And you were like, "Hey, man, what do I need to prepare? What are we going to talk about?" I'm like, man, I don't know, because I don't know anything about this team. I guess that's the intriguing part. You know, I, I do know they've scrimmaged two teams. Uh, we, we've got a question later on. Somebody asked about the scrimmages. And so they scrimmaged George Mason, which is expected to be a middle-of-the-pack Atlantic 10 team. I think they lost that game by two on the road, which is, you know, that's a fair showing. Uh, and they also scrimmaged East Tennessee State, which, you know, historically has a pretty good program. I do not know the results of that game yet. But, you know, two decent opponents they scrimmaged. Uh, sounds like they competed pretty well against George Mason. Uh, but really, outside of that, we, we, didn't, we, we haven't heard many individual reports. I think a lot of that is by design. I think they want to surprise some people earlier in the year with what they're going to do. But there's just a whole lot of unknown, a whole lot of intrigue cases surrounding this basketball team. Of course, Michael Schwartz's first year just, you know, do we have expectations or, or is it more just a wait-and-see approach? I think it's definitely wait and see, but also one thing that Swartz has done that has that most coaches do not do. How in his first year, Swartz got a lot of young guys and freshmen in. We didn't get now nowadays in college basketball, 
every single year, each power five team or any team is just, just majorly changed because of the transfer portal. We, we did not get many transfer, like transfer portal players. Yes, we got a couple, but we got a whole bunch of young guys in Zaxby, Elijah, Valentino, uh, Asar. I mean, we just LeClount, we just got so many young guys in and he's building the foundation first and working his way up instead of having, instead of bringing in four or five power five players just to start. And it'll be just, and it'll be just a quick fix right now. He's starting from the ground up, which I think is really good. And also, like he said, when we went to media day that he wants to recruit in North Carolina because North Carolina is one of the best States in the country for basketball. And if you can recruit out of your, out of your own state, especially North Carolina, you can have a very bright future, especially in the American with the losses that are coming with Houston and Cincinnati leading. Yeah. I mean, and you know, maybe we'll touch more on the future of the, the conference uh, later on, but I feel like this is, I, I don't want to say it's a true, like don't pay attention to anyone's losses this year. Cause like you still want to win the game. You still want to have, you know, you know, you don't want to go five and 25. You still want to have a respectable show and build some momentum, but, you know, the conference is going to be weaker next year. It's not going to be a bad league. You know, you're still going to have Memphis. You're still going to have some prominent programs, Wichita State and others. But I feel like it's going to be a more winnable league for ECU going forward once these teams leave for the Big 12. And, and I think if you can build that foundation this year, you can really set yourself up for long-term success. The, the, the issue, Kaysen, I guess, is how do you hold on to these guys and make them not become Tristan Newton, Jaden Gardner? I guess that's the big question, the concern ECU fans have. But, you know, if you truly build that culture, if you can do what Mike Houston has done in football, you know, they haven't lost, I don't think, a single guy that has had success in football that they really, like, didn't want to lose over the Mike Houston era as far as freshmen. So it's possible, but you got to build that culture, and it starts this year. So, um, you know, I've been asked, you know, what it, what to expect from a wins and losses perspective. You know, for me, I don't even know if I can put a number on it, Casey. Can you? I mean, I think it is more about how it looks. Yeah, I've 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 gone I've gone through it a couple of times and I mean it's just so hard because you just don't know. I think the only thing that I know about this team that I don't know know is that I think that they're a very athletic team that is going that I think they're going to try to turn some games into track meets. Now they're gonna they're going to try to out-rebound you and defend you. And I think that, I mean, as seen and been paying attention, I mean, I'm unsure where the scoring is going to, going to come from. So we might, so our games might be a 50 to 60 point game night. I mean, you, I mean, the main thing that we'll see in the first couple of games is who the scores are. Cause right now I could not tell you who's going to be our leading scorer. Yeah. It's, Who's going to play? What's the rotation going to be? You know, somebody asked later on to project a starting five. We'll do that uh, towards the the end of the show. Let's talk first. Let's go through the the returners and also the newcomers and talk about who we're kind of most excited to see, Case. And we'll start first with the returners. ECU with a handful of guys coming back from last year. R.J. Felton, the sophomore guard, returns. Winston Tabs returns from injury. It'll be his first time playing. We don't know if he'll be – Playing in the opener, we'll talk to Coach Schwartz on Monday ahead of the Mercer tip-off on Tuesday night. We'll, we'll figure out if Tabs will play. Uh, Javon Small returns. Sounds like he's had a really good offseason. Brandon Johnson, the Ford returns. And Luigi Debo as well, the big man. So those five guys return as far as scholarship players. David Kasanganai also back as a walk-on. Anybody in that group that you're really interested to see early this season? 
I think that Brandon Johnson is going to be a huge part of the team this year. I think that Luigi is definitely going to start, but as we saw last year, he would play. He would play to the under. He played to the under sixteen, and Brandon would play most of the minutes. And I think that'll be. I think that'll be a good little one and two punch right there because I think Brandon can. Brandon has a great motor, and I think that him at he's not the he's not the biggest, but he plays bigger than he is, and he's a he's a beast on the offensive rebounding side. So I definitely think Brandon Johnson for me is my number one returner this year that I think will have an impact. And it sounds like they've really challenged him to expand his offensive game and shooting wise. And, and from what I've seen in brief glimpses in practice, he has shot the ball better. Uh, he's kind of expanded his game because last year he was pretty much just a rebound stick back guy. That, that was his offensive game. So I think he will shoot it a little more this year. Uh, for me, I, I'm intrigued by Javon Small. You know, we really didn't see a ton from him last year. And he played in spurts, but it sounds like he's kind of taken, I don't want to say taken over, but he's definitely taken a step as far as being an offensive guy. He was the best three-point shooter in, in Midgie's Madness. Um, you know, Winston Tab struggled a little bit. The count struggled a little bit. So we kind of saw him make, I think, six or seven threes and 15 attempts, shot nearly 50%. Of course, that's, you know, open threes. You expect a Division One player to make them. But still, you could see the stroke. Uh, they're going to need a point guard to step up. I think he's going to get one of the first cracks at it. He, he's big. He's he's pretty physical for a point guard. So I think he matches well with this league. And looking forward to Javon Small. Of course, Tabs. You know, we just don't know injury wise if he's going to play or how much he's going to play early. But certainly, he is a he's the X factor, right? I mean, if, if Tabs can get back to anywhere near the guy he was at Boston College, that that'll account for a a good good touch of your scoring right there. Yeah, Tabs. He was a great player at Boston College. I mean, he put a lot of points up for them, but then again, the best ability is availability. So we'll see. Yeah. And he, he didn't look comfortable at Minji's madness, you know, shooting the ball, of course, yeah. first time shooting in front of a crowd in a long time. Yeah. And also, and also it's much different shooting off a rack than off the pass. Yeah. So, And some guys don't like it from the corner versus versus yeah. top of the key. So Javon small spot his his spot is the corner apparently. So they need to sneak him down there. Right. Yes. All right. Let's look at some of the the newcomers. We'll start first with the the uh, two Division One transfers and also the JUCO transfer uh, Benjamin Baela coming in from South Plains College uh, at the JUCO level. Quentin Debunje coming in from Tennessee along with Coach Schwartz, uh, and then also of course Jaden Walker, the Iowa State transfer. So you had three transfers, two from the Division One ranks. Which of these three are you really excited to see, or is it all of them? I think that I'm excited to see all of them, but I'm really excited to see about Walker because I think that I think that he'll be the primary point guard this year for the Pirates. So I'm looking to see what he does. And he also he also has a great length. And I was reading up on him and coming out of high school, he was a good he was a great defender and that carried over Iowa State. And then he left a bad situation at Iowa State. So I think he's ready for a new for a new beginning at ECU. And I think Walker will be a huge, huge part of the season. I'm excited about both French guys, uh, Debunje and Baelo. That you know, I did a story on them. Fallen Media Day. They've kind of connected, of course, with Luigi, who also has some some French ties. And um, Debunje and and Baelo, they're both long and they're both athletic. They're both listed in the six five, six six range. Baelo is extremely long. He's coming off a knee injury. He was very highly recruited before that injury at JUCO. He could shoot it. He can drive it. Play defense. Debunje. Athletic two guard can play the three. Um, 
so the, the thing I do like about this team is you do have some versatility, which we'll get into here in a bit. But, you know, excited to see if either one of those guys can become a three-point threat. You know, Baela shot at a pretty high clip at Juco. Dabunje has shot it pretty well in practice from what I've heard. So if you could get some length and shoot the ball from the perimeter at the wing spot, that'll really help you as well. All right, a handful of freshmen coming in. Kaysen Saxby Sunderland, the 6'4 guard. Uh, Caleb LeCount listed at 5'8". I think he's 5'6", but hey, uh, the guy can play. He can put it in the hoop. Uh, Ezra Osar, the highly recruited 6'9 forward, is also a freshman. Valentino Pinedo, uh, who played on the Spain national team, he is in as a 6'7 forward. Uh, you also added a couple of walk-ons and Colin McKenzie and Jackson Ellensworth and then Elijah Jones scholarship six, eight forward from Mount Zion prep. So, I mean, all things considered a pretty talented freshman class freshman is, it's hard to predict what's going to happen, man. But, um, you know, you probably need one or two of these guys, if not more to step up and play right away. So who are you looking at to potentially do that? Uh, I think that Zaxby's going to turn out to be a really good player, but then when you look at the roster, he might get caught up in the backup because of, because of because of the the depth at guard. But I think that I think that Ezra as a player, he was really he was a really good player at Liberty at Liberty Heights, where they would just demolish teams. So I think that he I think he has potential at three at three and a four. But I think that he could be a scorer for ECU. It's just that the transition from high school to college sometimes sometimes takes takes a little bit longer, and I think that's why the non-conference schedule for us is crucial because it's going to take some all of these young guys to get used to the speed of the game, to get them acclimated. But yeah, I think that I think Zaxby could be a could be a good factor coming off the bench this year. He was a high level scorer in high school as well as Caleb Account. I'm just. I'm so intrigued to watch this guy, man. Like, I feel like it's either going to be boomer bust with Caleb, but like he's so short. But I've heard that he's he's he just scores. He scored in scrimmages. He's he scores in team scrimmages. He scored against George Mason. So like, I feel like he can score. I guess the question mark is just how is his de- can he can he defend at this level? And yeah. you just don't know until you see it, right? Yeah, I mean, hundred percent. I mean, it is a I mean, it is a great thing when you get the ball in a basket, but. Then when we play a team like Memphis, when they're first, when they're first and two guards are six, seven, six, eight, what's he, what's he, what is he going to do? I mean, I don't doubt he can score on them or, but I mean, it's just guarding them. is tough. You got a foot disadvantage. And to his credit at, at media day, he was all about it. He was like, look, I know that I'm at a huge disadvantage. He didn't back down from it. He's like, that just makes me have to get in their face even more, be a pest basically be annoying and like i like that he's embracing it man he's not going to shy away from that um and just really intrigued to see him play even if he doesn't become a star player if he becomes a role player i think he's going to be a fan favorite because of his personality and everything about him man just really looking forward to seeing him play so you know this this whole roster a lot of unknown like we said no real leading returning score or anything like that of course Tristan Newton gone Brandon Suggs now at UCF so it's just a kind of a crapshoot and so we'll see how it looks beginning with the Mercer game and the Mercer game kind of tips off a three-game homestand casing for the Pirates they host Mercer Presbyterian and Hampton I think it's pretty important this team gets off to a, a decent start at least a good start 
before they go to the Gulf Coast Showcase. The, the non-conference schedule isn't easy. You got road games at ODU, at UNCW. You play South Carolina and Greenville, South Carolina in a neutral game. Uh, you do have some winnable home games, High Point, Coppin State, South Carolina State, Campbell. So, you know, 13 non-conference games. We know what a beast the American is. We'll talk about that here shortly. You know, what are you looking at in non-conference-wise? Like, what do you feel like this team has to reach uh, from a wins barometer to, to you know, avoid a, a pretty, I guess, a disastrous season? Like, what do they need to reach from a wins perspective? Well, I think, one, we need to beat Mercer. I think that's a crucial – I mean, it's the first game of the season. Schwartz's first game as head coach, so – that's been a crucial one. And then, so I think, me personally, I think we should start off 3-0. I definitely think Mercer will be a pick game. I definitely think it'll be a battle for 40, for 40 minutes, if not more than 40 minutes. And then going into the Gulf Coast Showcase, play Indiana State, and I'm looking at the bracket. We will then play Toledo or Kansas City. I think we'll probably play, to, I think we'll probably play Toledo. And I think when looking at the bracket, the best teams are – either East Carolina or Florida Gulf or Florida Gulf Coast. So I think that we could come out of there three and O, which I think will be good. So that's a six and O start. And then first wrote first true broken at old dominion who always plays is tough. So we'll start. Yeah. Yeah. And Mercer last year went 16 and 17. Uh, the two years prior to that, they had uh back-to-back winning seasons. So they look like a solid program. Uh, they've been around 500 in conference play the last few years. So, you know, not a gimme game for an opener case in which a lot of times covering ECU basketball, there are a lot of, you know, pretty much they play their worst team in the opener. This will not be that case. So no. whether ECU wins or loses, I don't think it's a, you know, I don't think it's a panic situation either way. It's it's a It's a pretty tough opening game. And I think we'll find out a lot about this team right away from night one, don't you? One, 100%. You're going to find out a lot. I definitely think the first game is going to be a drag. It's going to start out. It's going to start out slow because just they're all so young and this new coach, new atmosphere. It's going to start out. It's going to start out slow. But I think that the turning point of the, I think we're really going to know what we're made of is at UNCW on this on December sixth because uh, Siddle has done a great job with that with that program and. U.S. Wilmington always has a great environment, and that's a nice in-state rivalry. I'm glad that I'm glad that that's on the schedule, and I think that is going to be the first test for the Pirates this this year. Yeah, UNCW, a potential NCAA tournament team once again. South Carolina, we know SEC talent, so definitely some some challenging non-conference games, but also some good non-conference games. You don't want to go through an entire cupcake schedule. Uh, South Carolina, by the way, and UNCW, I think, will make the return trip to ECU next year. So that'll make for some uh, intriguing home non-conference games. In 2023-24, as I always get my years mixed up on the schedule in basketball. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th 
Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, conference play, Case, and ECU picked to finish 11th out of 11 teams. And, you know, quite frankly, they probably should. They're returning basically no starters. They're returning, you know, most of the league is returning key pieces, but even if they aren't, they have pretty established coaches. Mike Schwartz, first-time coach, if, like, you're the other coaches, your media members, you're going to pick ECU last because they don't have anything. They're an unknown. We get that. ECU's kind of admitted as much. Um. But this is a tough league, man. If people don't follow college basketball, they don't understand how good this league is. Let's just start first with your general thoughts. I mean, we know Houston's going to be a top five program. Memphis, probably an NCAA tournament team. And you got Cincinnati, UCF, Temple, Wichita. Like this is a SMU. This is a, this is not a, uh, this is not a league you just roll in and expect to win some games. No, no, not at all. And that's what I love about college basketball because the past couple of years, just the anybody can be anybody can be anybody. There's not really any top heavy teams anymore. I mean, even even this year, you can say Carolina, you can say Kentucky, you can say Houston, Gonzaga, but at the but at the, at the end of the day, it nothing matters in between those lines. No rankings, no nothing. But I definitely think Houston is one of the best teams in the country because they have one of the best players. Sasser is. I think the best girl in the country. I think he is an unbelievable talent. And also to go along with that, he has Samson as his head coach, who is a top three head coach in, in college basketball right now, in, in my opinion. And then also, uh, they also played Duke in a scrimmage and beat them by 10 this past, about two weeks ago. So that is huge for them. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're what, preseason ranked number three, right? Number threes, and they would definitely be number one at some point in the season, hundred percent. Because because yeah. looking at their looking at the non conference schedule, it's good, but not. They probably won't lose a game. They're definitely a they're definitely a 30, 32 win team. Thirty two and six last year, fifteen and three in the American as they won another AAC championship. Memphis. Let's go through each of these teams. We'll, we'll share some quick thoughts on them um, for for fans who want to know about the league this year. Memphis again, Penny Hardaway back. They went 24-9 last year, 13-4. and four. Um, You know, they're like you wrote, they're always overhyped, they're Memphis. But I tell you what, man, the addition of Kendrick Davis, that is big time. That dude is is scary good, of course, at SMU the last few years. And I know they lost some pieces, but with, with Kendrick Davis and, man, is DeAndre Williams really back? That dude has been in college basketball like eight years now. Um, they, they, they've got potential with Davis to be scary. Yeah, Davis is a Davis is one of the best players in the country, and they also got they also got a transfer from Boise State. I think his name is last name is Acot. He'll be a he'll be a huge factor for them this upcoming year. Um, he was he, he was between Memphis, NC State, and I think Florida to when he transferred. But yeah, Memphis they're always they're always going to have talent, but and Davis is I think the best player besides uh, the kid last year, the big last year, Duran. Duran, Duran. I think that they have great talent, and talent can win you 15, 20 games. But at the end of the day, I think Penny's a great recruiter, great dude, but I don't think he can coach. Yeah, not a great head coach, and that's 
proven true is they lose a lot of WTF games uh, over yeah. the years. And yeah, they will, they will, they will definitely win the big games. But when Postal comes into town, they have a sense of ball. Cincinnati, West Miller coming back, and and they also return a lot of familiar names: David the Ju- Julius, Jeremiah Davenport, Landers Nolly. Um, you know, former player at, at uh, Virginia Tech, uh, Nolly to Julius, a really good player. So, um, again, a good core here and another good basketball tradition, man. Just a really good, uh, it's a really good team. Yeah. Cincinnati's always going to always want to have a good team. And they went from Cronin to Miller. Well, they didn't go from, they went from Cronin to, was it Brennan? Yeah. He was, holy cow, terrible. And then they went to Miller, and Miller's done a fabulous job so far because he's – I mean, they went they went 18 and 15 last year. He had to make a roster in five minutes. And so they just are just – they're always going to be good. And uh, Landers is a player. He re- makes his return. Well, he transferred from Memphis, but also from Tech. So he'll be a he'll be a good player for them. And then uh, I think that if they have a, I think that if they have a good season, Miller could look for a bigger job. I would not be surprised if they have another good year. He would not be called. Man, I don't know if it's just me, but like I have trouble following these transfers. Like I, I like part of me was like, all right, Landers Nolly played for Memphis played for Virginia Tech before that, and now he's at Cincinnati. Like, it's just getting chaotic, man. It's ridiculous. And another one is uh, is Tyler Harris from Memphis, who was on Memphis's team, went to Iowa State, went back to Memphis, and is now at South Florida. I mean, what the hell are we doing here? I don't know. It's just like, let's just, uh, yeah, nothing. I got nothing on that. Uh, Temple, uh, Aaron McKee has slowly built that thing up. They look to be really good this year as they return kind of their, their core. They get Cleef battle back from injury. Damian Dunn, the Kinston kid, still there. I heard rumors earlier in his career he was considering transferring after his standout freshman year, but he is still there now a couple years later. Um, both those guys can score. They do get a little – they do hog the ball at times and – almost like Kobe Bryant style, rest in peace, put it up more than they should. But, uh, Hey, if it works, it works. And they're going to be able to score. I think with, with those two guys in the lineup. Yeah. 100% done in battle are really good players. And temple and temple is another team in the conference that you cannot, that you cannot just look over. They're going to be, they're not what they used to be. McKee is McKee is not, he's done a great job there. This is his fourth year. And, I think that I think that they're just going to keep improving if they can stay healthy because they were very injured last year with Battle and a bunch of other players. So if they can, if Dunn and Battle can stay healthy, they can definitely win ten to twelve games in the conference. Yeah, and that'll be ECU's conference opener, December twenty eighth. Unfortunately, the students will be out of town, but hopefully the the fans show up for that game. <laughs> um, also, the same date as the Military Bowl in football. So we'll see if the Pirates are playing that same day. In football, all right, you got Tulane next on the list. Great finish last year by Ron Hunter's team. They go 10-8 and eight in the league. They were the surprise of the league, and they got their big three back again, Jalen Cook, Jalen Forbes, and Kevin Cross, who were you know basically all-conference guys a year ago. And, um, man, it looks like Ron Hunter has it rolling in New Orleans, right? Yeah, I think that Ron – I think that Ron's a great coach. He was, at, he was also a great coach at Georgia State when he had that run with his son. And then Tulane is Tulane's a big Tulane's a big time sleeper. They're number eleven on Andy Katz's most improved team in the country. And Jalen and Jalen Cook can just get the ball in the hoop. He is a player, 
And also Tulane is the only team in the American that brings back an entire starting five, so which is also a huge factor. Yeah, one of the few teams on this list, Casey, where I recognize all the names. Yes. And that that uh, that continuity is big. Um, South Florida, don't recognize many names. The one name I do recognize outside of Russell Tachua, I can never pronounce his damn name, the big guy, uh, is Tyler Harris for the same reason we mentioned prior. He's been in college basketball eight years, and he's been on eight different teams, um, including the same team twice. But, uh, yeah, take us through South Florida. I think they're going to be in ECU's realm this year. Uh, again, Brian Gregory back, but I don't think they're they're going to be too good. Yeah, I think this is I think they're the worst team in the conference. I mean, they're just not they're just not good. Harris is Harris is a good player, but all I have to say is really just fire Brian. Just go ahead and fire Brian Gregory. He'll be at, he'll be out of there by mid-January. Yeah, they were they were bad last year, got swept by ECU when eight and twenty-three, three and fifteen in the American. Yeah, I don't understand how you can go eight and twenty-three and three and fifteen and come back and yeah, yeah. And he's a pretty tenured coach. So yes, he's been. This is his. This is his sixth year, and he got fired previously from Tech, and he did not have a great ending there either. So, all right, UCF, the other team in Florida, eighteen and twelve last year, nine and nine in the American. They lose some key pieces: uh, Darren Green, the three-point shooter; uh, Darius Perry, the Louisville transfer; Brandon Mayhem, the Texas A&M transfer; Isaiah Adams was a talented uh, young guy; Dre Fuller. So they pretty much. They're almost hitting the reset button, and they've done that with the addition of several transfers looking at this list, man. And and one of those we're pretty familiar with. Oh, yeah. Uh, Brandon Suggs is on the team. He's definitely going to be a starter for them. Look for a revenge game on January 4th. So is it a revenge game for, for Suggs or for ECU since he left? You, I think we'll have to answer that January 4th. <laughs> Based on who wins, yeah. Correct. But also uh Central Central Florida, no matter who they have on their roster, Johnny Dawkins is a he's a great coach one of the one of the bright spots in the country. And this is his seventh year, and no matter who's on the team, they're always they're always gonna be a well coached team. So you can always expect them to hustle, play defense. So look for them to be between six and eight in the commerce. Definitely not last, definitely not the top, just a just a solid team all around. Yes, they've been a solid program under Dawkins. Michael Durr. One of the transfers, another guy who used to be at South Florida, goes to Indiana last year, now at UCF. Like this thing is just it's getting out of control. All right. Um, a few more teams here before we get to ECU. SMU, another team with uh a new coach, Rob Lanier. And as you point out, Coach Schwartz used to be on his same staff. So there'll be some familiarity when these two teams match up. Yeah, this is I mean, I mean SM SMU is an interesting team. I mean, same as same as ECU and Tulsa, the other two teams with first-year head coaches, because uh, Jankovic retired this past year, and then they hired Lanier, who was at Georgia State, and it was also, as you say, was with Schwartz. But I think that Samuel Williamson from Louisville, who's a transfer from there, he's at he's at Southern Methodist now, and I think he'll be an instant impact player for them. I think that he's a dark horse for one of the best players in the conference. He's a great player. He was at Louisville when he as a freshman, then he kind of then that then that whole Louisville situation got bad. So he kind of lost minutes. But I think that he'll be a great player for them and he'll be one of the leaders on that team. All right. And uh moving forward is um 
is Wichita State, another team that you really expect to be at the top of the league every year, but this year, huge losses. Tyson Etienne, former player of the year in the league, Dexter Dennis, Ricky Council, transferred, I believe, to Arkansas. He's a North Carolina kid. Morris Udesi also gone, so uh, major overhaul here. Lots of transfers coming in, like I'm counting six, seven transfers coming in, which I guess is the new norm in college basketball, so they're kind of an unknown. Yeah, yeah, they're an unknown. But uh, Quincy Ballard from Florida State, he's a he's he's a pretty good player, and I mean, I mean, Isaac, I think Brown, I think Isaac Brown's a pretty good coach. But I think that if they have another year like they did, like they did last year, I wouldn't be surprised if Wichita State looks for other options because they are because which which I say it's a good basketball program. So I think that if they have another year, Brown could be out of there. Yeah, a ton of money poured into that program and, you know, a lot of donors. And I've heard they are not happy with, I guess, the lack of NIL funding. And so uh, maybe they put some money to the guys coming in. So I'm sure they'll have talent, but, you know, we'll see how it all gels together. Tulsa, final team before ECU. Uh, they they hire Conkle from Louisiana Tech, who had a very solid program there. So it looks like they'll be um, you know, I think they'll be better than they were a year ago under Haith. It was clear that the ending was there, the writing was on the wall. Um, but a ton of newcomers again here, and um, I can't pronounce half of these starters. So I'm, I want to see you give uh Nikita Konstantinovsky a shot. I think I did pretty good there on the starting center. I think that Nikita Konstantinovsky will be a good player for them. I mean. I mean, I think that ECU will finish better than Tulsa, Wichita, and, and South Florida. I think that we have good talent on the team, but and I don't think this Tulsa team is better than us. I just don't. I'm just looking at it, they didn't get any big-time transfers, first-year head coach as well. I just don't think they're better than us. And that's the thing is, all right, so ECU picked to finish last. You know, can the Pirates realistically finish – I think nine or 10 is realistic finishing ahead of South Florida Tulsa, but is anybody else, do you see them finishing ahead of anybody else? Or is that probably their, their best case scenario? I think that if, I think that SMU possibly, if they have, if they have some struggles, because another fresher head coach possibly also, I think that. Maybe if Wichita just falls apart or something. Yeah. I was going to say Central Florida, but I think that Central Florida has a higher ceiling and they also have Dawkins. But I think that ECU definitely has a chance to finish better than South Florida, SMU, Wichita, and Tulsa. I definitely think there's a chance for that. But, yeah, I I mean, if I mean if ECU finishes in the top half of the league, I'm sprinting to the gas station to buy 100 Powerball tickets, I'll tell you that much. Me as well. Me as well, man. All right, let's get into some of these questions we got on Twitter. Uh, for me, Kaysen, uh, Martin wants to know, can East Carolina be a team that can make a postseason tournament this season? So the American, I don't think, allows their teams to play in the CIT anymore. I think – I don't know about the CBI. You know, obviously the NIT for sure, the NCAA. Obviously, if you go there, you you, you go. Um, I want to say the CBI they still accept, but the CIT and below they do not. So basically, we're asking: Can ECU be a good enough team to get into the CBI? You got to go at least five hundred, I believe, and probably above five hundred. I mean, it, it's possible, but I'm going to say unlikely. 
say unlikely as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think if you do do that, it would be a good first year for sure. And I think if you have the opportunity to play postseason ball, that you definitely take it. I want to say that somebody told me that Dooley staff was offered the chance to play in the CBI. But, of course, with the change coming, that was never going to happen. Uh, Chris, you go ahead. Oh, Christian says, uh, will Mike Schwartz and his coaching staff wear suits on game day? That's something I'll ask him on Monday. I would assume not. Basically, very little teams are wearing suits basically since the COVID year. So, uh, Justin said, who are they playing in their secret scrimmage match? We, we touched on that earlier. Uh, they played George Mason at East Tennessee State, two former coaches that Schwartz had been with at Tennessee. So, um, you know, that was why that was happening. Uh, Judge Schmelz asked, can we have a winning season or will it be the same old, same old? I'll tell you what, okay, so let's make our official prediction right here. Do you think the Pirates have a winning season? 30 games. What's your, what's your, uh, what's your prediction for record? 30 games. I'm saying 14 and 16, 15 and 15. I'm saying it's right at it. I'm saying we're right at it because when you look at, I mean, when you look at the non-conference schedule, we can get, we can get eight or nine, eight or nine wins there. And I think in conference we can definitely we we should should win five to six games. So I mean it's right at it. I mean it's right at it. But also the league's so much better than it was last last year. And I don't and I think EC was a better team last year. So I mean it's so up in the air. Gotta have a good non-conference to set yourself up, build some confidence to have a shot. And it's not impossible, but I would I would say the over under in Vegas is probably set below a winning season. Um all right, Pirate Treasure NC says, how many games till a solid starting five and a sub plan looks set? Um, for me, I mean, I think that might take all of non-conference, definitely at least through early December. I think you're going to see a lot till a starting five, a lot of changes until – I'm going to go mid-December to late December until they really establish a plan. I definitely think that uh, after the Wilmington game on December 6th, I think we'll have a great idea. And then Coppin State will be another good kind of test to see how that five works once he finds after Wilmington. And then I think going into South Carolina, I think he should have a – he should know his rotation pretty well and know – and guys know their responsibilities and roles. All right, projected starting five, our final question. Um there's multiple ways you could go here, Case, and I'll let you give your first projected starting five, and then I'll I'll give mine. I got uh, Jaden Walker at point guard. I have – I think if Tabs is healthy, he's at two. If he's not healthy, scratch him, put in small. I definitely think Quentin at three, Ben at four, which I think – I mean, we – I mean, we stood – we taught him saying he, he, he can definitely four on the American – and then, in my opinion, I think Brandon Johnson should start at five, but Luigi will get, but Luigi will get the start. So I got Walker, Small, Quentin, Ben, and Luigi. But I want Johnson and Tabs to start at two and five. Yeah, it just depends on do they start Luigi, just because he's a true center. Like to me, I think they kind of maybe lean towards starting Johnson at the five. Um, and that's what I'm going with. I, and I'm going Javon Small at the point. I'm going Jaden Walker 
kind of at the two. He can't play off the ball. Maybe start with two point guards, see how it develops. Debunje at the three, Baela at the four, and Brandon Johnson at the five. But I would say, who knows? We'll find out for sure on Tuesday at about 6.45 p.m. Well, Casey, it's been fun, man. Um, let's wrap this thing up and uh, hopefully the Pirates start 1-0 and on Tuesday night. Uh, and hopefully a good crowd shows up inside Minji's Coliseum. For sure. We will see on Tuesday. Yeah, I'm excited. What, what's your prediction for the Mercer game? Pirates get it done? I think Pirates win 56-53. We're going Pirates 59-57, under 60. So that means both teams will score 90. All right, Casey, it's been real. We appreciate your time on the Hoist Colors podcast. Yes, sir. Looking forward to the start of the Mike Schwartz era next week. We'll find out more about the CCU basketball team that we really simply don't know much about right now in the days to come. But appreciate you guys for joining the Hoist the Colors basketball preview podcast. Of course, the women Kim McNeil's team tipping things off as well on Monday. And so be sure to get out for that as well as the Tuesday tip off against Mercer. 7 o'clock game will be televised on ESPN Plus as well as the Mike Schwartz era gets underway. Thank you guys for listening. We will talk with you early next week as we get back into football mode. Cincinnati, huge game on the clock for the Pirates. And we'll also talk some basketball as well as we'll have a game or two under our belt at that time as we uh, look forward to next Friday's game at Cincinnati. Thank you guys for listening. and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.